Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Bodybuilding.com podcast. I'm your host here, Nick Coleus, wearing a beanie like a 40-year-old millennial that I am. Uh, yeah, actually, I'm going to take it off. I'm going to be bald. I'm going to be bald just for you guys. Uh, Heather Eastman, dressed up. You know, she's she's I'm more professional like a granny than me. Today, I've got like my like sneakers and exactly. granny sweater. Spring is creeping in around here in uh, Boise, Idaho, and here to celebrate it with us is none other than Troy Addison. Is that my pronouncing your name correctly? Very good. I thought so. Uh, he's the co-founder of the Alpha Lion Supplement brand, also the progenitor of a popular YouTube channel called Superhuman You. And uh, I haven't heard that one in a while. <laughs> Progenitor. Yeah. Uh, he's out. He's out here serving up exercises you've never tried, workouts that you haven't done yet, um, all that good stuff. He's going to do a live down in the bodybuilding.com gym, the very, very first yeah. one in the new bodybuilding.com gym first down in the one. basement. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, he's here at HQ creating some articles and videos that you can see on the site in the months to come. And uh, we're happy to have him here. Thanks for thanks appreciate for it. Thank you very much. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk with you about. Um, but first, I, I kind of want to talk about your story a little bit because you have a great article on the Alpha Lion website, right, right, uh, about your about your history. <clears throat> and um, I don't know; it's, it seems like you've had a pretty wild journey to get where you're at now. Yeah, I wanted, very wild. Yeah, I wanted to talk with you a little bit, kind of starting about this this history that you have in a student athlete academy, right? Um, because you know, I've I've heard a lot about these sorts of places in other countries, but a lot of people right. don't realize there are sports and athletics fo- focused boarding schools in the United States and you yeah, kind of there is. attended crazy, one right? <laughs> just of your own free will, yeah. right? So, so tell us a little bit about, about you know, your start as an athlete. Right. Well, it's kind of a unique story. So I moved to Bradenton, Florida, and then I discovered there is a school called IMG Academy literally 20 minutes away. And I started digging into it and I'm like, oh, wow, like NFL players train here, NBA players train here. And I was a basketball player at the time. So I pretty much manipulated my parents to send me there for, you know, the final two years of my high school. And it definitely helped me become obsessed with like fitness and training and performance. And it's just such a wild place. Like I would brush shoulders with like Eli Manning back in the day. This is before like when he was preparing for the combine, Ben Watson, Anquan Bolden. So I was just this like skinny, weak kid, barely ever worked out. So it definitely like ignited my obsession with, you know, weight training and performance. Sure. And w- did you go there? I mean, I'm imagining like, hey, I'm going to, you know, get guitar lessons from get, from Jimmy Page. Yeah, yeah. Therefore, <laughs> it's a matter of time. I'm going to be the next Jimmy Page, right? right? Did you go there with crazy expectations? Yeah, absolutely. Like I wanted to be a pro basketball player. I was pretty good, but I was undersized. I wasn't the best athlete. So I went there with the aspirations of being like a very high level, like D1 player, eventually an NBA player. So. So, yeah, that was my mindset going in. Okay. I mean, yeah, like I think about guys like, um, you know, Kevin Durant. I remember when when he came out, he like failed the bench press test. Oh, yeah. I think 185 for zero reps. Right. Yeah. 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 Were were you somebody who was coming with any sort of training background like that or were you just a straight baller? I was so weak. I was like 140 pounds. I was a really good shooter. Like in practice, I could hit, you know, eight or nine out of 10 threes consistently, but in terms of weight training, like non-existent. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And when when you came out of there, um, did you think like, oh my God, I, I don't have a future in this particular thing. It was a waste of time. Or did you think that, you know what, this might pay off in something I don't even realize yet. I remember the first practice, I was just kind of blown away by how good like the best players were. Cause I was playing against all of a sudden guys who were like top 50 in the country. And I'm like, wow, like there's a level that I didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of a wake up call, but it was also really motivating because I'm one of those people that believes like I can always get better and better the more that I work and the more that I put in. So it was really cool just to see like that high level, like where it's at 
And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I played college basketball for one year. I had a lot of, I have like a genetic foot issue that was causing me a lot of problems. So my career ended short. I still play, I'm still pretty good, mm-hmm. but obviously like my basketball aspirations didn't work out. And that's sort of where, where I transitioned and pivoted to fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how, how hard was it for you to kind of, to make oh, that, that transition? Cause we've had I was devastated. Of, There's like yeah. probably two, three years stretch where I was like kind of lost and like miserable. And like, I, I would have, if I could have played pro basketball in like Slovenia for $30,000 a year, I would have done it back mm-hmm. then. Like I just love to play basketball, so yeah. And we've we've had a ton of guests on who had that that moment where it was like, all right, this I had this dream, yeah, and that dream kind of just fizzled away, right. and then I was left with the training afterwards. Right. Um, how hard was it for you to see that at the tra- the value in the training, or was that something you were like, you know what, maybe fitness it really is the answer right away? I've always loved to just like train. Like for for example, when I played basketball, I would practice free throws and three pointers like four hours a day, and I just loved it. So I feel like it helped me a lot transition into like wanting to work out every day, just kind of having that obsession, having that mindset. So when I started getting into lifting weights, it was like fun for me to, you know, lift for two, three hours every single day. Mm -hmm. And what was your training like then looking back with all you know now? Like no clue what I was doing. Uh (laughs) Just like trying to bench press as much weight as I could. Um, Zero clue on how anything worked. Just kind of going in the gym with my friends and just trying to challenge each other, lift heavy weight. Mm-hmm. But that you're you're pretty young still at that point. Yeah, like, like at this point, maybe 21, 22. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, w- one other interesting thing that I that I took out of this this video on the Alpha Lion page was that you and your partner Jordan um, kind of both sort of spent your twenties wandering a little bit. Yeah. Fa- failing at stuff. Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, lo- looking looking back on that, what what tell tell us a little bit about how you spent that time. Yeah, I had a few like fitness business ventures. Like I had a program called Science of Abs and I had an old business partner and like that just never panned out. We just didn't work well together. And I I think I spent my 20s just trying to figure out like how to make money as an entrepreneur in like the fitness industry and just like a lot of experimenting, a lot of failing. But I feel like I kind of failed my way to success, you could say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think that's, that's underrated, though, thinking of... 100%, yeah. I, I, like, I look back at my 20s, and I was just going in a million yeah, different yeah. directions, too. But I don't know. I feel like that's maybe what you're supposed to do a little bit. Absolutely. I feel like so many people, it's like, if they're 25 and they haven't, you know, been successful in anything, they just kind of give up. I'm like, you're so young, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. I really didn't figure things out until I was about 30, so... I just feel like perseverance and like patience and learning from mistakes is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You, now, were you were trying to be an actor in there a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. So. I had mm-hmm. like a few small movie roles. I had one like feature in like an independent movie. Mm-hmm. So that was a lot of fun. It was like we filmed a horror movie in the woods in like Alabama and Illinois. So it was a really cool experience, uh, you know, looking back and it was just very unique. Hmm. And, and in, in your kind of your, your fitness industry wanderings a little bit, I saw another one called like the Benchmore yeah, yeah. Which was like a bench press aid. I had a these weird mm-hmm. like jobs where I got one job and I got to meet Justin Gatlin, who's like the fastest 30 year old in world hey. history. So like I got to brush shoulders in my 20s with like really high level athletes and just like experiences that kind of like motivated me. I'm like, OK, like I didn't obviously make much money from that. And it was just a cool experience, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say, I got the same thing out of the video that you got where I feel like you were being so hard on yourself, like, oh, I wasted my 20s. Like, the 20s are the yeah, decade yeah. to waste. You right, know, yeah. you, know you, you go to school in your teens and you graduate right. and, like, the 20s are the throwaway decade. So yeah. it just felt like you were being so hard on yourself. And I, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. You know, and, and do you think it, like, what was, what? where did that come from that you just, like, felt this enormous pressure to succeed right away? 
It's a good question. I just always wanted to be successful. Like I've always been really ambitious. I mean, I wouldn't say I wasted my 20s. I went to Vegas like 14 times. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a lot of fun, maybe too much fun. Mm-hmm. But um, I think once I got that out of my system, I was just like, all right, like now was, you know, time to buckle down, time to get focused. But I think I'm just naturally hard on myself. Like I try to push myself to a level that like maybe isn't even humanly possible sometimes. And I don't know. I've just studied so many like great athletes, great actors, great entrepreneurs. And I feel like they sort of have that mentality a little bit too. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it could be a blessing and a curse a little bit. Do you think there's any value to just kind of wandering around aimlessly for five, ten years and figuring life out? I think if you sort of know the direction that you're wanting to go in, like if you're just partying and binge drinking alcohol and you have like you're not putting any time and attention to like what you're trying to do, then I would say no. But if you're like consciously trying to figure things out, you're reading, you're learning um, you know, you're meeting high level people that I think it's the right play. Mm-hmm. And, and through, through your twenties, is that something, is that studying of the way other people did things or what, what other people did to succeed? Was that something you were doing in the background there? Yeah, a lot. I just even like reading about say like Arnold Schwarzenegger in his book, Total Recall. And like, mm-hmm. I like learning about people's mindsets more than anything. So just like understanding like, okay, what was his mindset in this situation before anybody knew who he was? Mm-hmm. You know, what was his mindset moving to America? What was his mindset here? So I feel like reading can be really valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember when Total Recall came out, I read it, and I remember just being impressed with how he kind of had this air of invincibility from a really young oh, yeah. age where he it's just, crazy, right? it was just written in the stars for him in he his own knew mind. He was going to make it. Like right. he just talked exactly. himself into it. Maybe he was delusional, but mm-hmm. it and worked. The, right? shit, the shit that he got away with in oh, yeah. the Austrian army, yeah. just because he yeah. had. Everybody stop un- everything. Right. I have yeah, to work yeah. out right Right, now. exactly. It was amazing, but <laughs> yeah. it was like only he could do it because he yeah, like, just wanted it that much, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. He had like four pounds of meat every single day from like the, the army boot camp. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so at what point did you kind of feel like maybe the clouds were parting a little bit and you started thinking, you know what, all right, maybe, maybe, I've, maybe I've found something here after all? I think I just started to gain a lot of confidence because I had so many experiences of like learning how things work and failing. I just all of a sudden like I had this huge mix of like ideas and experiences and like insights just from like trying to do it for five, ten years and failing. Mm-hmm. Because you, you really can't like read a lot of my experiences in a book. It's just you have to go through it and like fail and learn from it, you know. Mm-hmm. And and uh, was Superhuman You part of of that, or was at, at what point did Superhuman You versus Alpha Lion start to materialize? So that happened back to back. I think I started the the YouTube channel, and then about six months after we started Alpha Lion, so it's pretty much back to back. Okay. Okay. And was the YouTube channel something you created specifically initially around the idea of the balloon method, which is a a training style that you've, you've uh, developed or was it Not at all. mm -hmm. I just like, I did content about like shredding and just like being lean because that was sort of like my physique at the time. And Mm -hmm. no, I don't think uh, that was probably a year and a half ago when that started. Mm -hmm. Okay. So because... Yeah, I wanted to ask you about about the balloon method as well because it feels like that was a that was a major step forward for you to sort of kind of right. have a, um, a vision of what your training should look like and what yeah, people's yeah. training should look like. Right. Tell us a little bit about where that came yeah. from and how you kind of found yourself as a as a coach that way. I feel like it's such a polarizing name that like right. when people hear it, they're like, "This guy's a snake oil salesman." Right. Like, what the hell is a balloon <laughs> method? Which is kind of like why I like the name a lot too because it's so science backed. So the reason that I came up with it is I was just studying like, you know, what type of training will work for someone 
who has bad genetics, who has good genetics, who's natural. And when you look at the science, it's not all about getting stronger. Obviously, like mm. getting stronger is important, but power lifters don't look like bodybuilders, even natural bodybuilders. So just looking at the science, I'm like, you know, metabolic stress, you know, keeping the muscle for longer time, like longer periods of time under tension is so important. And then like muscle damage, like heavy weight and actually like slowing the eccentric portion down, one of the most important pillars of muscle growth. So I wanted to create a type of workout where you could hit all three ways that your body builds muscle in the same workout. So if you have bad genetics, if you're natural, no matter who you are, it's guaranteed to get your results. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I feel like that's an interesting approach because that we, we see a lot of people do things in phases, you know, where it's like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have a strength phase. I'm going to have a pump kind of right. phase. Um, but you're saying you like to actually structure a workout that way. I'll do a little bit of everything in a workout. Like let's say I'm doing chest, I'll go really heavy, say on dumbbell bench press. That'll be like the heavy overload phase of my workout. Then I'll jump on cables and I'll go 30, 45 seconds time under tension because both heavyweights and lightweights build muscle. So why not, you know, do both in the same workout? Mm -hmm. hmm. Absolutely. And is a, is a finisher something that you feel like is just kind of always inclu worth including in there? Yeah, in definitely. There? I mm -hmm. think so. I mean, if you're trying to train for aesthetics, 100%. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Now, now I've, I've, I've been watching a bunch of your videos and I noticed that um, you create a lot of them not only about exercise, but about like exercises, you know, like, right. all right, here's a few exercises you need to know. Uh, the three, the, the only three you need to know for this certain goal, this certain, certain implement. And I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about like, um, I don't know, do you have a bottomless appetite for exercises? Or you have a little black book? Is <laughs> I kind of do you... just because I get so bored in the gym. Like if I go in the gym and I'm doing the same five moves for like shoulders or biceps or chest, I get so bored. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's just one of those things where like, it just motivates me if I'm trying something new, I feel it more in the muscle. And then I started sharing, you know, outside the box moves with people and they just, people loved them. So mm -hmm. are you, do you just have a little notebook that you carry around with Dude, all I have of like, that? I have like a little workout log. Like I keep track of like all my workouts, all my moves. I even keep track of my volume recently. So hmm. what I do is I basically write down like every single muscle group, like chest, traps, back, lats, literally everything. And then I figure out how many total sets I do per week for like each muscle. Mm -hmm. And then if you don't do that, like I guarantee you most guys will be like, wow, I haven't done hamstrings in like three months. Right. You know, it's like mm -hmm. just kind of like a way to really stay on track and structure things. Yeah, no, that's 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 a good approach. I mean, there's there's a lot of discussion these days about high volume versus low volume training. Right. And it can be really easy to just have your training be completely lopsided. Right. Um, and, but, the, you know, and, and volume is another one of those things, though, where people just have such unbelievably varying opinions like some people like you need high volume to grow and other right. people like if you have more than 15 <clears throat> sets of blank per week then you're just piling junk volume on basically right. um how, how do you how do you approach volume for yourself and how you recommend it so just recently there's two recent studies that came across so they took a group of guys who did like 10 sets per week of a muscle like 17 sets and 35 sets mm-hmm and there is two different studies. And in both studies, the group that did like a ridiculous amount of sets, like 35 to 40, had twice the growth. So if you look at the, I mean, obviously, like you need to recover, you need to eat well, you need to sleep well. But if you look at the recent data, I feel like if you're a natural and you're not really building muscle fast and you're only doing five to 10 sets a week, why not try 20 to 30, even if it's only for a month, just to, you know, change things up? Mm -hmm. okay. Sure. So, so kind of finding that maximum recoverable volume. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's what you can recover from. So like if right. you're stressed out, you have a really bad like situation with work, 
personal life, probably don't do 45 sets of quads in a week, right. but you know. But you should. But you should, yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not going to kill you. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm, I want to figure out, like, where in the priorities all these things should fit for somebody. Picking the right exercises. Right. Pay, uh, you know, progressing in the exercises that you pick. Volume, intensity. Like, how, how, do we, how do we think of those in terms of priorities? I feel like you need to learn how to activate each muscle properly, so... Not only picking the right move, but like understanding how to activate and keep the muscle under tension. To me, that's most important because if you do 45 sets, but you're not really activating your chest, what are you really doing? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I would say activating like... Activating something else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're burning calories, so right. it's doing some good. But, mm -hmm. you know, so I would say that would be number one. And then I would say volume. I mean, I feel like intensity is a little bit subjective because right. some guys are like, oh, I train till failure. But like... If there was a gun to their head, they could probably do eight more reps. Right. So I feel like, you know, most guys probably don't train intense enough, but if they know how to activate and they know how to put enough volume on, they'll probably see pretty good results. Hmm. And what about what about frequency? What are, what are your thoughts on frequency? Because it's another thing that a yeah. lot of people mm -hmm. go back and forth. Like, you know, they say, ah, you get your blank sets per week. You can do it across three. You can do right, it just right. in one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of... I don't do the same routine, you know, year round. So for two months, I was only training a muscle group one time per week. And I was seeing some decent results from that, just like focusing more on each workout on one muscle. And then recently I've been doing more frequency. So I'll train every muscle two to three times per week. I like that style of training a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I think frequency at the bare minimum, you know, once a week. But I think you can go two to three times a week if you have the right recovery. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I how do you know that you've found a sweet spot like that? I mean, it's tough because you can go by what you see in the mirror. I guess the best way to do it is to get like a DEXA scan, actually like, you know, get physical data. Mm. But yeah, I mean, you can go by how you feel, how you look in the mirror. If you feel really sluggish and overtrained and your cortisol levels are high, you know, maybe cut back. You can, you know, obviously test your cortisol levels really easily and things mm. like that. Mm. Well, and what I'm hearing too is it's also very much a mental kind of assessment too, because you're talking about when I get bored, I want to do this, or I feel much better, or I prefer training this way. So right. when you do kind of feel that boredom start to kick in or like, ah, you know, this isn't working for me anymore. What's yeah. the first thing that you go to as like, a, okay, I'm going to change this first. Yeah. I would say changing up what muscle groups I train in each workout. So it'd kind of be like increasing frequency. So I was getting bored just doing like shoulders for an hour and a half. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start doing like, I'll do shoulders, I'll do upper chest, I'll do triceps. And then it's more fun right away. Right. Yeah. So you get that compliance because you're mentally engaged, you're enjoying the workout. Yeah. So even if you're not seeing, because you're not going to see results after one workout. Of course, yeah. But if you can get your mood into that, that's kind of your way of overcoming that little hurdle with that. Yeah. So you're, you're talking my language and you talk about muscle activation and finding the exercises that work. So what kind of walk me through what it's like when you're doing something you're like this is just not working for me and how you change that do you change it on the spot or is that something that you kind of go to the next workout yeah i've gotten good just because i've been doing it for so long on like you know if i'm doing a certain type of curl like i can tell if i'm feeling it more in like my interior delt versus like you know the long head of my bicep so it's more one of those things like I can just kind of like feel you know and i've been working out with charles glass a lot who's like a really world-renowned trainer and you know, he's been really helpful in like helping me like activate like stubborn muscle groups, like rear deltoids and, you know, hitting certain parts of your quads. So I think it's one of those things you just learn from experience, you know, and kind of like 
mind muscle connection and, you know, just learning. Yeah. So for somebody who doesn't have access to working with a professional who's kind of listening to this and think, thinking, man, you know, I always feel biceps in my shoulders. How do I get, how do I actually start feeling it in the right muscle? Or how would you walk someone through that if they're just kind of dipping their toes in this whole idea of really getting granular with activating the right muscles? Right. Well, I guess everyone's structured so differently. It's like, I have really long arms. So like my wingspan is like six, seven and a half and I'm like six foot one. So for me, like what works for me may not work for some guy who's like, you know, five, seven with short arms. So if I'm in person, I would just take them through a bunch of different moves and try to like figure out what works for them. Um, I guess the best thing is just trying lots of moves, you know, like I've had so many people like send me a DM or like send me a comment where I throw some really outside the box move out there for like lower chest or upper chest. And they're like, wow, I'm sore for the first time, like up here. It was just because I gave them a bunch of options and they finally found something that worked for them. Mm. And yeah, how, how, do you, how do you know, aside from just like you feel soreness somewhere, how do you know that you found something that really works? Is it just like three reps in, you go, oh, I don't know, you can just, something clicks. You can just tell, yeah. Like I was doing, like when I really, uh, I was doing one thing on curls, I was always like twisting my like wrist in like this. So then Charles was like, no, keep it like back like this. And then we doing a drag curl and I instantly just felt it right mm -hmm. away. And when you're, when you're structuring your training, assuming, assuming that there, you go into the gym with some sort of structure in yeah, mind. Most of the time. Yeah. yeah. How do you, how do you know what to keep the same versus, you know, I'm going to change up all of these assistance, assistance exercises and keep this one the same. Like, how do you, how do you navigate that back and forth? I keep the, like the main lifts pretty consistent. Like I like doing squats. I like doing dumbbell presses, overhead, dumbbell bench. So, I mean, obviously, like, you have your main compound lifts. I don't deviate from those very often. Mm -hmm. And then I try to really, like, switch up kind of like the uh, the finishers, we'll say. Mm -hmm. I have, like, you know, my four to five favorite moves for pretty much every muscle group. So I'll kind of switch those out towards the end. And I'll keep, like, the main lifts the same. Like, those are the main lifts I'm always trying to get stronger on. And then I would say, you know, half my workout stays pretty consistent and then half I'm always switching out. Okay. That's a cool, that's a cool approach. And I've, I've, I've seen a couple of other coaches um, yeah, sort of advocate that where, you know what, when you find something that you feel and that you can get stronger on, right. don't abandon it. Right. But there's playtime in there yeah, too, yeah, you know, you, a little bit of exp ex exploration in the gym as yeah, well. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, we've been talking about all these, all these moves, like, are there a couple of moves that you feel like you can take the most pride in? Like, oh man, I think not, not, not that we're going to call it the Addison curl yeah. or something like that, but you're like, you know what? I, I want to take credit for this like is inventing, awesome. you know, like, you yeah. Know. Um, I think moves on the cable for chest. Cause I feel like most guys chest is such a big issue because, and I was the same way. It's like, you're so obsessed with how much weight you can bench press. Right. And like, if you look at my physique, my chest is probably the most developed muscle group, maybe next to shoulders, but I can't bench a lot of weight, like as far as barbell bench press. Mm -hmm. And I always focus on like, you know, really activating the muscle with like dumbbell pullovers for upper chest and like really hitting the muscle hard on cables, going 30, 40 seconds time under tension. If you're bench pressing and you're ego lifting, how much, you know, time under tension is your pec actually like under maybe 10 seconds at the most? Mm -hmm. But if you look at the data, like it's good to have sets 30, 40 seconds time under tension. So I think maybe like that's the one thing that I try to drill home on like my YouTube channel, just more time under tension. If you're not growing, stop being obsessed with like hitting a bench press number. You know, it's fine to want to get stronger. Obviously, it's really important, but focus more on time under tension. Focus on maybe like slowing down the eccentric portion when you go heavy. That's going to create muscle damage, which will translate into growth. So right. I think, yeah. 
Yeah, no, yeah. It's interesting talking about about strength and what that what that means because a lot of people have that that fixed idea of what strength is. I can yeah. do this for one rep, right? And they treat it like it's an objective truth. But right. your one RM can change all the time. It can it can be completely different based on different things. So, what what when you say getting stronger at something, how do you measure how you're getting stronger? Is it within a certain rep range? Like I can handle this for six. Yeah, usually like I don't try to do like a a PR on squat, but I'll do like my four rep PR. So if I had you know three fifty for four reps on squat, the next workout I'll try to do three fifty five for four, or you know three fifty for five. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What what other um, what other kind of markers of progress do you keep track of in your own training? I would say strength is the biggest one, but I make sure that when I track my lifts, I know that it's like proper form. Mm-hmm. And then I would say like time under tension. I literally have a stopwatch sometimes and I'll keep it on the ground. I'll start it. And then I'll try to go 30, 40 seconds time under tension. And every single time that I have someone do this, they're like, wow, that was like one of the hardest sets I've ever done. And 30, 40 seconds for one rep or for one the set. whole set? Yeah, okay. one set. Yeah, okay. so it'll end up 30, being like... Three reps or three seconds. <laughs> I, uh, some I people had, do that I before. had to yeah. clarify. I've asked yeah. because some people will do that. They'll do a 30-second rep, and I can't even imagine... It's real slow. It's like... Yeah. yeah. It's, there's a, like a there's a one-minute pull-up protocol that I've done where you, you go 30 seconds down, 30 seconds Oh, seconds. yeah, that's it's brutal. Terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fun, really fun hard, to do right? that sort of thing every once yeah. in a while. But Okay, so then, so then after your workout... You're in there saying I did this 30, 40 seconds. This 30. Do you even count reps at that point? No, I don't. I ignore reps. I just focus on time under tension. So mm-hmm. you're doing like a reverse AMRAP almost because you're just taking a unit of time and kind of right. And know. it takes a little bit of guess and check on what weight because you want to. You don't want to go too light right. where you could go for two minutes under tension. So it's a little bit of like guess and check when you first start doing it. Mm-hmm. But then once you find that sweet spot, essentially you want to be at failure in that time frame. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, so so that that's something somebody can track then as well. They say, you yeah. know what, I did this movement, this weight for this yeah. amount of time. The first two sets might be kind of like, you know, exploring what weight is ideal, mm-hmm. but it's obviously if you're only going 15 seconds, that's too heavy. If you could, if you're not tired after 30, 40 seconds, it's way too light. So it, mm-hmm. usually for most people, it takes maybe like you know, two, three sets mm-hmm. to kind of find that sweet spot. And can that be different every day too? It doesn't necessarily have to be going up every single week or is it just something you, because I, I was I was talking with a friend the other day and I was we were talking about kettlebells and I was like, you know, there's going to be like a Goldilocks bell for you here yeah. that you're going to find <laughs> for your presses or something where you just go, oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. the one. Is that is that kind of uh, intuitively how you approach that weight selection? I try to slowly bump it up if I can. Um, obviously like on cables, I'm focusing more on like the squeeze like I'm not like throwing my whole shoulder into it just to do five more pounds. So yeah, it's kind of one of those like things I kind of go off intuitively, you mm-hmm. know? Hmm. And once once you kind of reach a point where you're like, all right, I don't think this weight's going to be moving a whole lot more. Right. Is it just time to switch exercises? Yeah, possibly. Okay. Hmm. Now, yeah, you're training down at, uh, at Gold's Venice these days, right? Yeah, for uh, like half my workouts, yeah. Okay, okay. Because yeah. it's it's interesting, um, you know, there's obviously a ton of people training down there that we've right. all heard of. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I've talked to different people who've trained down there, and they said, like, yeah, I worked in with Michael Hearn. I worked in with this person. Right. You cannot believe how hard they actually work. Right. Is that is that what you've found down there, is that th- there's just a different level of exertion that comes in that environment, comes from working with somebody like Charles Glass? Or, yeah. or uh, did so you feel that- like your training that you had done up to that point prepared you? I think it prepared me, but I would say like leg day with him is it's so hard. Like literally 
I remember one one leg day, I'm like, wow, like that was the hardest workout of my life. One time my whole leg cramped up towards the end of it. <laughs> so it's like, it's pretty brutal. Like leg day with him more than any other muscle group. Hmm. And and what, what makes it hard exactly? Just throws these like impossible like supersets at you. Like he may be like, we're on the leg press and like, I did like, you know, I think seven plates on each side and I was struggling to get like, 12 13 and then he puts on one more and he's like 12 more and then we're gonna superset body weight lunges after so he just mm -hmm. pushes you to like a level that's probably like almost impossible but it's just like it's a it's a big mental thing you know mm -hmm. so uh, that that just that pure like i'm gonna get one more I yeah yeah more. so i feel like once i've gone through a few leg days with him it's like i can go through any workout i can train with anyone and i think i can hold my own mm -hmm. so it's been really really impactful yeah and i mean it that sort of training i think can also kind of get you outside of the mindset of reps too people think like you do right. x reps for strength x reps for hypertrophy this is endurance mm -hmm. but when you're actually gutting them out yeah i mean the numbers don't really even matter anymore at that no point, exactly do they? Yeah. yeah especially if you're at the end of your workout you're really fatigued like let's say you squat at the end of your workout uh, you know on leg day you're not going to be as strong but those are brutal reps you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Now, thinking of somebody who, like, I imagine you have a lot of people on your channel um, who, like, they're seeking muscle growth and maybe they're not really finding it, you know? Yeah, yeah. They're pretty frustrated. Right. Um, when somebody tells you, like, all right, I've been lifting hard, I've been eating a bunch, and I'm just not growing, what's the, what's the first thing that you point them to? Is it is it that exertion or what is it? I feel like usually they're not eating enough, they're not sleeping enough, they're messing up something that they don't realize. I feel like if you're in a caloric surplus and you're training hard, you're doing 10, 15 sets of every single muscle group, like there's something going on, like maybe stress, maybe sleep. It's usually some detail that they just don't realize they're mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. But things like stress and sleep, like those are, those are big things. <laughs> they're you know? very big, yeah. It's <laughs> like if you're only sleeping four hours and you're stressed out because you can't pay your rent, you're in relationship issues, health issues, like it's not the best environment, obviously. Mm -hmm. mm. So yeah, to me, it's usually some like detail like that. Sure. Yeah. When I first came across and kind of looked through your balloon method, I was like, oh, he figured out a way to, because to me, it's all just like overload. You want to overload the system, you want to max out, you want to fatigue, whatever word you want to use for it. Yeah. And you kind of put it out in terms of if this isn't work, try this. If this doesn't work, try this. Were there any things that you tried that you're just like, okay, this is junk. This is not going in. This is like, we're going to put this one to bed as like, this is the way to do it. Was there anything that you tried out that just did not work? In terms of like... Uh it, myself just like yeah in terms of like you know this whole concept of trying to um create more muscle damage right, and right. you know because you could try massive amounts of volume and have it fail completely or you could try very very low volume yeah. and greater time under tension to have it fail so were, were there ever you know someone's like oh you got to try this and you tried you're like no I think when I had the like the slowest results was when I was just trying to get stronger. I was obsessed with just like the main lifts, like, oh, this guy can like overhead shoulder press this much weight. I got to get this much weight. So I think when I was obsessed with like hitting a certain strength mark, almost every workout was when I had the worst results. Hmm. And then when I mixed in like other training elements is when, you know, things started to click. Okay. Did you experience that whenever you honed in on one other element? Like, okay, it's it's all about volume. And then you just reached a point where you're like, no, it's not all about volume. Right. It's something else. I think when I started adding in more time under tension, more supersets, more drop sets, more like focus on eccentrics. Because mm -hmm. I've got a lot of DEXA scans over the last three years. So there is one stretch where like I gained like six, seven pounds of muscle in like eight months. 
And for someone who's been lifting for a while, that's really good. So that's when I started, you know, incorporating all these different elements. So that's when like, wow, like this actually works. Mm-hmm. So do you have like a DEXA punch card? You just <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I think I, I've got a good like 10 DEXA scans done in the last probably three years. Interesting. So. Yeah, uh, yeah I, um, I, I, I've talked with, uh, the, we had a guest a long time ago who was like one of the big academic specialists in DEXA scans and just has done thousands and thousands right. of them. And like they're, they're accurate, definitely, but they're also, it's a pain in the butt, can be kind of expensive. Like, yeah, yeah wh- wh- what, what, does, what appeal does that, why, why do you use that specifically and how often do you go down and, and verify that? I do it once every couple months. I just do it for content in my own personal data. I don't think they're 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. But at least it gives you a gauge on if things are working or not. I like doing it when I'm cutting mm-hmm. and I'll figure out like, okay, like I'm losing about, a, you know, a pound of fat a week. I like doing it when I'm bulking to see if I'm actually like gaining size. And the thing that I really like about it is it's specific to like body part, you know, region. So you can see like your legs, your arms, your torso, everything. Hmm. Where do you have it done? Uh, just, right in LA. It's like just, 20 minutes away. Okay. Interesting. So so talk, talking about about getting like cutting down and shredding a little bit. Uh, how much at this point do you like to kind of ride that wave up and down a little bit versus just trying to stay a certain way all the time? I'm pretty conscious about like what I'm trying to do. So like right now, for instance, I'm trying to shred, but like slowly. So I don't want to lose muscle mass. I'm trying not to lose much strength. So like I'll be in a slight caloric surplus. I'll add more cardio, I'll add more hit. And then, yeah, I usually, I don't like not having a goal. So mm-hmm. it just kind of like helps me channel my focus. So what does a, shro- a slow shred look like? Like how far are you stretching it out? Do you have like, like a- 16 weeks or so. Okay. Like, that, um, that is a pretty slow shred. So what I do, and uh, I sort of did this by accident because I kept on skipping my cardio. So <laughs> the first like four weeks of my shred, I just ate like a, a few less like 100 calories a day. So I was eating like 2,800 calories a day, which is a minor deficit for me. And then the last week I've cut it down to like 2,600 and now I'm adding in cardio. So I didn't like shock my system where I'm like all of a sudden in a thousand calorie, you know, deficit and I'm doing cardio. So it's like one little thing at a time, you know, every four weeks. And then I'll add in like sprinting and like hit work. And then towards the end of it, it gets more intense, but only for maybe like the last four weeks. So it's not the same like routine, like week in and week out on the shred. It's like four weeks, little lower calories. And then next four weeks, maybe 200 less calories. Now I'm doing cardio. And then next four weeks, maybe a hundred less. Now I'm going to add in hit. So it's, you know, slowly like climbing down. Mm. So it's, it's little waves, not like. Yeah. Cause the first four weeks of cutting, you're going to lose body fat quick just by like adjusting your diet. Mm-hmm. Right. There's no need to like kill yourself on the treadmill, you know? So, so I'm gathering that you're a pretty numbers-driven nutrition guy. For the but. most part, I don't <laughs> like I. I can intuitively track my calories. Like I'll literally be out to eat, and I'll just kind of like eyeball stuff. Right. So I'm not like super obsessive, but I'll have a like an idea how many I eat every mm-hmm. single day. Okay, because because that's another thing that you know I feel like people really struggle with is they think like I want. X kind of results, but I'm yeah. just not really willing to sit there and track. Well, then you the don't thing is, like, results. is it necessary? <laughs> do it for three days, and then after that, you'll be able to intuitively do it. That's what I tell people. I'm like, I spend five minutes a day figuring out like my calories. Mm-hmm. I'll like write down what I eat, and I'll be like, I'll just guesstimate, you know. And it's better mm-hmm. than not doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, when you when you talked about like sleep and stress and sort of these answers that are hiding in plain sight. Calories can be another one. It's right. like just mm-hmm. tracking it for a little while. You go, yeah, yeah. 
what what have I been what have I been thinking? Of course, that's what the answer is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was that was that hard for you to grasp, or do you feel like your background as an athlete kind of made all of that stuff come a little bit easier? No, nah, because I learned this stuff in like high school. So, I mean, to me, it's common sense. You can Google how many calories are in like a cup of rice and a chicken breast and a tablespoon of olive oil. So. Mm-hmm. It's just people are lazy. They just don't want to do it, you know? <laughs> right. Well, or they or they eat things that are really tough to track. Like yeah, or they you, think if, they're, you know? like, eating healthy because they get a salad at, like, you know, TGI Fridays and it has, like, 1,500 calories, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're doing a live today down in, the, down in the gym, right? Pretty soon here? Yeah, yeah. Okay, balloon method. Balloon what, method. What are we training? Push-pull. Okay. So, so upper body. Yeah, we're gonna do a push pull. So like twenty minutes back, twenty minutes chest. Okay, back and chest balloon yep. method. Awesome. Um, well, we're excited to see it, yeah. man. Sounds Thanks for good. coming and talking with us. Yeah, not a problem. Um, where can people find you and Alpha Lion? Alpha Lion, which Alpha uh, to be clear is like on obviously bodybuilding.com. Skyrocketing mm-hmm. up the brand charts yeah. at bodybuilding.com the here. Fourteen or fifteen though. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in how long has the brand been around? Uh, three years about. Huh. Yeah. Only on bb.com for like three months right right that's some pretty that's some pretty quick progress what do you what do you feel like is resonating so much with that particular brand it's the unicorn juice, <laughs> unicorn juice. <laughs> i just think we have like i think we have good branding i think like the name resonates with people like it means something like there's something behind the brand mm-hmm. um i think just the name superhuman like people are like oh like i want to feel superhuman when i work out so I feel like branding's on our side and obviously product quality, like we put out good formulas, like everything's max dose. So we don't cut corners making like really cheap formulas, proprietary blends. So I think it's just a combination of all the above. Mm. Well, we wish you continued success, my man. Thanks for coming and Appreciate talking it. with Thank us. Appreciate it. Thank you. And um, yeah, where, where else do they find you if they want to follow you? Instagram, at Troy Shred, uh, YouTube, Superhuman You. And, and you pretty put out it. a lot of content on both of them. Absolutely. So, yeah. so it'll keep coming. All right. Thank you so much for talking Appreciate with us, Troy. Appreciate it. Thank you.